You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Now, I don't know if you realize, Shannon, but we're coming up on almost a year together doing this show. It's almost our anniversary. Awesome. I, I hope you've got something special picked out for me to send my way. <laughs> no, I'm joking with that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to think of the journey that's gone on with, that, uh, with what is Sexy Marriage Radio. Because, you know, we're at 151 on show episodes. Wow. We, we are probably a couple of weeks-ish away from 1 million downloads total on this show. Wow. Okay, say that again. I mean, yeah, we, we're almost to the 1 million mark on downloads. I mean, that's... If you think of just the little community we've created, I mean, I, I know full well... We impact a lot of people. We get emails from people at Feedback at Sexy Marriage Radio that confirm that, that we have, oh, yeah. we have spoken into the void of some people's lives and really helped some great things happen. But I also know that in the vastness of the world, you know, there's so many more people we can reach with this message. And so that's why we keep doing this. I mean, that's... Well, and so many people do wonder, how can I strike up a conversation either with my spouse... Yep. Or with my kids who are about to get married. We've yep. gotten that email recently of a dad telling his about to get married daughter, you yep. need to go ahead and start listening to Sexy Marriage Radio yep. now in preparation. How to strike up conversations uh, among friends. Uh, it, it, this is a topic that yep. the world is talking about, but, but it, they need a balanced perspective. Right. And it's so amazing to think that, you know, just this little idea that started with just maybe a hundred downloads with episode one and two <laughs> has has grown to where now we're almost to 1 million. And ah, that's unbelievable. Created, it's unbelievable. You have created something brilliant. Well, I have to say thank you to our listeners because that's the reason that this thing is, is, has become what it is. Because I know getting that feedback to feedback at, at sexymarriageradio.com, seeing comments on, on iTunes, hearing feedback from people in other avenues that have, I mean, I come across people that, hey, I listened to your show. And I'm like, that's just amazing that I love the message that is being sent and being heard. And I'm so glad that, that it's being, it's being helped and, and it's, it's helping people far and wide. I love the impact that you're having. And I know that I speak for so many listeners when I say from the bottom of our heart, of our hearts, Dr. Corey Allen, thank you <laughs> for your ingenuity and your creativity and your boldness and your trailblazer spirit to, to create this. And I'm so honored to have been invited along for the ride. Well, I'm, uh, here's to much, much more to come. I think, I think better yep. things are down the road and I have to add, as we start this show, um, just from a personal note. That, that I'm, I'm shifting gears a bit, but um, I want to impress upon the wives that are out there, the ladies that listen to our show, the importance of your your yearly mammograms. Because within the last month, my sister, because of her yearly mammograms, they have found breast cancer early in her. And now she's already had the surgery. She's got some chemo coming up because it had started to spread slightly into a couple of lymph nodes. But, you know, prognosis is great. And she's doing great, but that just impresses on me the importance of, man, you've got to stay on that thing. And speaking as a guy, please take care of the tatas. I mean, come on. They're great. That, as a breast man, I love them. So take care of those because that's you. And that's, it's not just, it, it's not 
that's too simplistic of, you know, you're not just your breasts, you know, but nice, it, to, nice way to dig yourself out of that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, but it, it is one of those that you are too important in the role in the world you play to, so take care of your health because it's vital. Absolutely. And I would totally agree. Women have got to make this a priority every year. When I have my mammogram, I always post something on Facebook reminding everybody that I know <laughs> that they need to have it done too. And I frequently joke around that it's one of those things where the idea of putting your boob in a vice grip yeah. is so not exciting. Like no one fantasizes about that. And I've heard this great joke about there are things that you can do to mentally prepare, like um, open the refrigerator door totally nude and slam it really hard with your breast in the door or um, oh, man, go Go get topless in the garage and lay down on the garage floor and have your husband back the car yeah. over your breast. That, that then you go in and get a mammogram and that's, that's a piece nothing. of cake, nothing at all. Yeah, yeah. But I know that women, when it comes to annual exams, both the mammogram and the Pap smear, they're thinking, "Oh, I can't go for that." But it is so important. You just can't not go for it. Right. You've got to do it because it's 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 vital to your health, your life, your your well being as you as you continue to grow grow and mature in your life. Yeah. But you mentioned a comment, I love it, of the, I can't go for that, you know, and anytime you hear that, I mean, isn't it, then that just, this is what comes to mind. <laughs> for those of us who are children of the 80s. Okay, we just dated ourselves there with this song, <laughs> but if you don't know Hollow Notes, you got to go find some Hollow Notes, because that's just some good, chilling, grooving music. I'm sitting here in my dust chair, just bouncing around <laughs> like I'm a teenager on the dance floor okay but think of this when it comes to sexy marriage radio we get access to the private lives of people very private lives when it comes to what we do for our profession outside of sexy marriage radio we get access to the private lives of people i mean that's that's as, something as i hold as a counselor yeah, that's something i hold of utmost importance and dearness to my heart because of it's an honor to be invited that deep into people's lives because yeah. lots of times, you know, when we think we're, we're stuck and we're dealing with something, it's so just, we're all alone. I, I'm ashamed of this. I'm embarrassed by it. But then when you start to get in and unpack it, you realize, no, wait, this is just real life. You know, this is just, this is just what we do. And so what I found is there's all kinds of preferences of things that people do people don't do we get emails from people that say well, there's no problem with that or you know one comes to mind of women you know there are women that like to overpower men and men love that and you can even explore that even deeper but it's it's this whole idea of you know hey i can't go for that i i i have access to people's lives and then i'm going away and i apply that to my personal life going oh man i don't know if i could do what they just described and talked about that they enjoy, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would handle that well or not. And yeah, but if they're, if their spouse is okay with absolutely. it, they're okay with it. That's the only definition absolutely. of normal that's, right there. That's the value added component to it. That if it's valuable to the people involved, Hey, go for it. And the reality is, is that everything that we do sexually has some sort of psychological root. Yep. You, you are a big proponent of there's a psychological reason behind why we do everything that we do. And so whatever it is that your spouse is interested in doing, rather than feeling slimed or used and abused or just like a, a sexual rag doll or whatever, you might just want to press the pause button and ask yourself, 
what is the deeper psychological meaning behind this particular activity and what need does it meet in my spouse's life? Right. And could it be an amazing ministry that I could perform for them being the only person that could do this particular sexual act with them that would, that would just minister to them to the core. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, that would just really validate their feelings and their emotions and their life experiences and their psychological drives. Right. And we've touched on it a couple of times with, um, just a couple of different shows or alluding to the idea of masturbation in the course of our shows that mm -hmm. there are lots of people that be due to upbringing church guilt shame whatever that's something they've never explored not that not regardless of whether they've done it or not it's just one of those like no i couldn't no no i can't no i can't do that but it's like okay the goal of sexy marriage radio is to explore what's behind that and is right is there a morality thing for you is there or is it just a i'm just not comfortable with that but i maybe could grow into comfort with that right is there a religious taboo that needs to be right. worked through and we're not saying that you should be masturbating it, this could you could apply this to any topic any sexual mm -hmm. topic under the sun we just want people to challenge their own lines of thinking about why do i feel the way that i do about this right. either positive or negative right. it, it's very very beneficial to think about why does a particular sexual activity float my boat? Yeah, so, absolutely. What yes. is it that turns me on about that? Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the um, some of the archival moments in our counseling and coaching history where we have interacted with couples, and one of them was saying, "I really want to do this," and the other one was saying, "I can't go for that." Okay. Okay. And what I'm hoping will come out of this conversation is not only do we want to encourage people to step out of their comfort zone and to expand their horizons and to be more open with their partner sexually, we also want to equip them to have the backbone that you need to have to draw the line mm -hmm. and to say, no, I can't go for that. Mm -hmm. Just because it means something very positive to you, that doesn't mean it means something positive to me. In fact, if it means something negative to me, then it does feel abusive. Right. And and that's okay. Your spouse needs to know that about you. I don't think that anybody wants their spouse just to lay there and and just become a zombie and and just be their sexual doormat. They want a willing and interested and motivated sex partner who's fully on board, right? Not just someone who's an outlet. Right. Somebody that's sexually alive. Yes. And there are certain things that some couples that or that some spouses may expect their their spouse to do that's killing the other one sexually. Yep. That they feel as if they have to disconnect. Yep. And zone out to, to survive the experience. So I hope that this will create some great conversations among couples. Right. Yeah. So. You want to start that, us off? Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the ones that, uh, one of the emails that we got recently at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, uh, a guy was commenting about our episode about spicing up your marriage. And um, he told this cute, cute story about uh, one of their first dates. He, uh, I think that they had like pizza and garlic bread and Pepsi and, and then when the date was over, he goes to kiss her and he pulls her in really tight and gives her a squeeze and she burps in his face and the whole, he said, just the notion of garlic bread and Pepsi burp is just really nauseating to him even still to this day. Right. <laughs> so what that brought to mind was, you know, sometimes breath a bad breath thing. Mm -hmm. It's just really hard to overcome in a moment where you're expected to be responding sexually, that right. you're supposed to get sexually aroused. Right. That some people find smells 
particularly offensive. Yep. And I'm not talking about just the really gross ones like garlic bread and Pepsi. Uh, I'm talking about even just mild morning breath. Yep. Um, yeah. There was a, a coaching client that I had a while back who said the way that he wakes me up in the morning to tell me that he wants sex before he leaves for work is he licks my jaw. And she said, maybe at 6 p.m. in the evening when I'm fully awake, that wouldn't bother me as much. But she said, I have two problems with it. Number one, it feels like I'm being awakened by Scooby-Doo. of just, yep. you know, big lick across the face. <laughs> and she said, the other thing is his morning breath just knocks me down. And I have to go back to sleep smelling it on my face right. after he's been licking my jaw. Right. So she just wanted to say, I can't go for that anymore. You need to find a new way to wake me up in the morning. Yeah, and that's where you have to find the creative solutions and ways around things. Like, you know, because morning breath is one of the ones that comes to mind of, man, you, you watch that on the movies and it's like they don't care about morning breath because they don't have morning breath when they're doing it on the movies. Because movies are not scratch and sniff. Exactly. We can't smell it in the audience. But it is one of those like, okay, yeah, there's maybe some people that, ah, I got no problem with that. But then your spouse is like, yeah, I do. So, no, I'm not doing that. We got to come up with something else. Yeah, I, I remember Clark Gable used to just so float my boat until I read that his leading ladies hated kissing him because he had chronic halitosis. Yep. And yeah, so the bad breath thing can be an issue. Yep. And it, this is so easily solved. Why not just keep breath mints, I think of Tic Tacs, in your nightstand? Mm -hmm. So that if you wake up first and you want to get frisky, pop a Tic Tac, mm -hmm. and there you go. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be complicated. And this then is and incorporate, this is not rocket science. Incorporate giving your spouse a Tic Tac as part of the process. There, oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what comes to your mind, Corey? Uh, clients who've said, yeah, I just can't go for that. Well, I mean, there's there's the whole, when you, when you talk about oral sex, there's all kinds of fluids and tastes involved that you know there's women that swallow women that will never women that you know they only will do it in the shower there's men that will only go down the shower and you know i've we've even seen an email from somebody that says oh, i just love it when he is really really sweaty and i'm i'm sitting there going no no <laughs> sweaty balls no, are not most women's thing <laughs> no, couldn't do it yeah, i mean i'm thinking if pam got home from a workout i'm not jumping on her you know, it's like <laughs> until after the shower, yeah, you're going to have to clean yourself up a little bit, honey, because <laughs> no. <laughs> but isn't it interesting how, yeah, the smell of sweat and mm -hmm. which actually does contain a lot of pheromones. Absolutely. Uh, that it is sexually arousing to some partners. It is. And, and that's, but again, it, it comes down to preferences and it comes down to taste and it comes down to the story of of why you do what you do. I mean, I, I think that's what we're trying to impress upon people is that that's what matters is is why you do what you do. That if there's not a true health risk of things and a true marriage risk of things, then it's just what makes you re comfortable and what brings relief. That's all it is. Yeah, and and speaking of those juices, I know that we got an email recently from a guy saying that um, his opinion may not be real popular, but he feels as if it's very important that women be willing to swallow the ejaculate frequently right. because it sends a mental message to the man that you are acceptable, that you are, uh, <laughs> you can fill in the blank, uh, but it, that it's just her way of validating 
who he is as right. a person at uh, semen and all. Right. I'm sure that there are many women listening to this right now going, yeah, but I can't go for that. Right. And a lot of women that I know are like, you know, what? I can go for that once in a while, like birthdays, anniversaries, vacation, but it's not something I want to incorporate into my sexual repertoire all the time. Right. And I would say that, uh, guys be thankful for oral sex and what she needs to do with that ejaculate, whether that's taking it in her mouth or spitting it out or whether that's swallowing it or whether that's not taking it in her mouth at all. Mm -hmm. uh, be grateful for the oral sex. You know, what, what happens to the semen? Does it really have to be that big of a deal? Right. Uh, you know, how she responds to that. Cause the reality is, is that the male semen has a very different taste and viscosity, texture, whatever, mm -hmm. than female ejaculate. Mm -hmm. There is a difference in how a man tastes and how a woman tastes. So um, I actually had a client say to me, I would be willing to swallow more often if he would be willing to let me put that in his mouth so that he tastes what it is. Right. That, because I guess in his mind, he tasted as good as she did. He's got to share the experience with her. Yeah. And so, of course, he was like, I can't go for that. <laughs> you know, but yet you want me to do it. I'm willing to do that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But the reality is, is when men and women taste different and um, they have different responses mm -hmm. to that taste. And I also want to throw in there, it it may seem a little unnatural for people to taste their own juices. They may love the fact that their spouse enjoys tasting their juices, but they don't want to taste them themselves. Mm -hmm. Cause I remember another female client said to me, you know, when he gets really hot and bothered and turned on and aroused and is going 90 to nothing. One of the things he loves to do is just finger bang me like crazy, but then shove his fingers in my mouth as if I'm supposed to enjoy it as much as he does. Right. And she said, I finally reached the conclusion that I screamed out to him, look, I am not a lesbian. I don't want to taste that. Okay. If you like the taste of my genitals, then more power to you, but don't force it on me. Right. And so, again, it's one of those things where you have the freedom to say, I can't go for that. That mm -hmm. doesn't turn me on. It doesn't meet your goal of getting me aroused. So be aware. Yep. Yeah. What are your thoughts about all that, Corey? Well, um, I don't know. I, I think of, I mean, because I, I want to be very careful that this show isn't about a do and a don't. You know, it's more about the messages, messages you create, the life you live, what you do, what you don't do, what's behind it all, what's, what's really going on. Because what comes to my mind is... When I got out of uh, my master's and I was still in my doc program I, is when I started my uh, private practice. It was once I was licensed as, as going through my doc program, I started my, my private practice. And one of the things that I advertised myself as was as a sex therapist because I had training in the background of it. And so I'm like, hey, that's a, a good, important part of life. So let's, let's go ahead and advertise it. And so one of the very first clients I get is that. Is a couple coming to me for sex therapy. And so here I am, a new therapist, walking into a situation where the woman has explained to me on the, on the initial phone call that their problem is her husband likes to cross-dress and only have anal sex. 
And so oh my. I'm walking into the situation as this bubble boy, Christian novice, naive to the world. <laughs> Wet behind the ears. Totally going, what in the world am I walking into? You know? <clears throat> so I go through this session with them and it was a two or three hour long session. And, and as the story unfolds, it all starts to make sense. I mean, it, it, it clearly, and one of the things that I love, Shannon, was I look back on this and this is what confirmed my belief in people and the courage that people have to take care of their own life when they really will do it, when they really will stand up and say what's best for them and what they really want. And so the story unfolds that they had a child. She had a lot of scarring because of the vaginal delivery. So intercourse became painful. For her or for him? For her. Okay. It, it was really painful to the point of tears that she she could not. She tried to tolerate the pain. They went through a lot of different um, resources as far as lubricants, things. And so one of the things they did one night while being just a little crazy and drunk is they tried oral se um, anal sex. Mm -hmm. Both loved it that, mm. that night. And so he's sitting there thinking, why would we not do that if it hurts to have intercourse? You had, a, you had a good time with it. I had a good time. Why would we not, not do that more? Right. And so the cross-dressing comes into play because that's just a little deviant thing he had done with pornography and some other things that, you know, but it kind of added to she had a more better, bigger revulsion to the anal sex. And so as they're, uh, as they're talking more and unfolding it more and she was willing to do what she had to do to really address the issues with uh, vaginal intercourse, even to the point of going to doctors, surgery if necessary he's still insistent no i want anal sex because it, it was tighter it felt better you know all this you enjoyed it and, and finally she stopped him and said look when you don't want my vagina you don't want me everybody has an anus and i'm like hello wow that is probably one of the most profound statements wow ever that i had ever heard and and to this day it's still one of those like Man, that there's so much truth in that. Sure. That she as a woman was just standing up for herself. And I look at her, I looked at her with just this huge kind of shock. And I look at him and just say, uh, would you like to respond? You know? And it's kind of <laughs> How do you feel about yeah, that? Kind of just see where they want to go with that. And I mean, but I, I just look at I walk into that situation thinking, oh man, there's no way I could go for that. There's no way. You know, uh, there's so many taboos because there is some health issues with anal sex that it's that there's higher risk for just disease, infection, all kinds of different things. Doesn't mean you can't, but it just health wise, it's not the best option. It's not what it's designed for. But it right. is it is one of those designed for one way traffic, right? It, but it is one of those as I think through the tabooness of a lot of the stuff that was talked about in that session, I realized wait when you really get through what's going on in your life and why you do what you do, it starts to make sense. And then it's, is it really you? That's the point I think of this whole episode, isn't it? Of what is really you, are you doing what you really want to be doing? Are you who you want yeah. to be in, right. in the midst of your sex life? Cause that's, that's what I think makes and brings about fantastic sex as you progress through marriage is authenticity. Yep. Right. Another couple comes to mind. Um, where the woman's complaint was that uh, when she and this man married, um, 
he made it pretty clear to her that he had homosexual fantasies that he had never acted out on, had no intention of acting out on them, but that it was a fantasy that was very, very rousing to him. She said, when I look at his history uh, with the, the father issues that he had and the dynamics and his relationships with his brothers, she said it makes sense, made sense to me. It was all fine. But she didn't want to participate in the fantasy. Okay. She she didn't she didn't want to hear it fall on her ears. She right. just wanted him to keep it in his head. Right. Whereas he was saying, I'm a verbal processor. It really turns me on to hear myself talking in those terms. And so what we agreed to, and, and she was the type of gal, uh, you know, she was just more of a you know pearl necklace. I, and I mean, like, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I meant like June Cleaver pearl necklace type of. I'm you know, with you. Kinda, you know. She was just a little more traditional. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. I wasn't trying to make an illusion. I wasn't trying to allude to a sexual act. You're not going ZZ Top on me. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So she was just more of a, I just want vanilla sex. I just want, you know, just, I don't want to say missionary position, but you know, she just, she wasn't yeah. that adventurous. Right. It was taking her out of her comfort zone. Right. But it was really, really important to him. If they were, And they were in a marriage relationship and they had kids. They wanted to protect their family. So I asked her, I said, you know, it doesn't have to be either or it can be both. And what if you just took turns of just sometimes he keeps the fantasies in his head. You don't want to hear him. And it's all about how you want to do it. And other times you give him the freedom. It may not be as arousing to you as if he's not doing it, but you're kind of just, you know, letting it ebb and flow, take turns in what arouses you both. Mm -hmm. And she said that I could handle. And he just lit up. He was like, really? Really? Like, you'll let me do it 50% of the time, just not 100% of the time? I can do that. Right. So sometimes it's just a matter of communicating right. what, you know, how far you're willing to go until, you know, until you feel abused um, and how far you'd be willing to be stretched yep. outside your comfort zone. And yep. surely there's a compromise somewhere but in the middle of that spectrum. But I also uh, recall meeting a woman here just recently where she was saying that um, she really has a hard time with her husband's fantasies. And uh, she just alluded to it in multiple conversations until I finally um, found an opportunity just to say, would you like to expound on that? Because you have alluded to that in conversation with me several times. What is it that your husband is fantasizing about that's troubling to you? And she said, well, he, he fantasizes about having threesomes. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, well, I can understand how that would be troubling to you. But just so you know, that is probably one of the most common fantasies on the planet with both men and women. Right. And she said, she just kind of sat there staring off into space for a little bit, and I could tell she was processing it. And then she came back and said, I don't think that it's the fantasy that I have as much of a problem with. It's the fact that every time I get a female friend, he winds up sending her some sort of letter or email saying our bedroom is open to her if she'd be willing. Uh, and it's like, okay, that... Hold on a sec. That's not fantasy now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But she had said to me, oh, it's just a fantasy that he has. It's not something he's ever acted out on. And so I was kind of thinking, well, lighten up, babe. Right. He's never acted well, out on Hold on, on it. a sec. He has. But exactly. So she was thinking until he actually committed the act of reeling a third party into the bedroom, he hadn't acted on it. But it was like, no. Right. He is disrespecting you. Right. Entirely by even trying to reel an actual person into the game. Wow. And so it has crossed the line from fantasy to yeah. reality now. Yeah. And you have every right to have a backbone and stand up and say, I can't go for that. Right. I won't go for that. If you ever do this again, it, this is over. Right. And she said, 
it's been 13 years since I've had a close female friend because of this issue. Well, duh, that's, that's smart on, that's good judgment on her part. Well, I just wonder what <laughs> took her so long yeah. to, to put the pieces together that this is walking all over my dignity and my self-esteem and my freedom to have friendships mm -hmm. in my life. And that this is unfaithfulness in and of itself, mm -hmm. just these emails alone. Yeah. And that's, that's where we get so isolated when we deal with what's most intimate to us, that we sometimes feel like we are all alone, that we can't see the forest through the trees. You know, we can't understand that, you know, because, man, the brains are such, it, it's got such a rationalization hamster in it. You know, we can justify <laughs> anything if we give it enough time. And it's true. And so when, whenever things, cause it, it, that's just it. You know, you look at the way a sex life progresses, Shannon, it, if it, if it deteriorates, it erodes over time. You know, it's not like all of a sudden it's just sprung on you. Okay. Now that we've been together, you know, it's, it's not like I would do this to you on the show. Okay. Shannon, now that we've done 51 shows together, almost it's time to change gears completely. You know, uh, you know, it's not that it's, it's kind of, it, it evolves and it shifts and it's subtle and, so whenever you, you kind of go against yourself, you, you capitulate on something and you kind of, okay, it's not that big a deal. And then, but deep down it's like, wait, hold on a sec. It is. And then you get so deep into it. You realize well, I'm so alone. No one even understands it. Or maybe it is okay. And, and, and what you need is that outlet to wait, hold on a sec. Is that really what you want? Is that really right. okay with you? If there's any sense of violation whatsoever, it would help to have a third party like a counselor or a coach to talk through and try to figure out why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Yep. Is this me being uptight or prudish right. or listening to those old childhood tapes in my head about the religious taboos that were tried, you know, that my parents tried to instill in me or whatever, or is this my rights are being violated? Right. And, yeah. and that's where it comes down to. I mean, this is, this is one of the universal truths I tell people when it comes to conflict in marriage, because conflict is going to happen. You've got different views. You've got different wants. You've got different desires. It's a recipe for conflict. Yep. But if it's not a moral issue, you know, if what you're fighting about is not something that's moral, it's all about what brings relief and comfort to you. And so differentiating between those two is really, really important. But at the same time, you are the only one that can take care of you adequately. So yes. you need to stand up for you. That doesn't mean you don't change and evolve into things that are later. Like, you know, I used to worry about going down on her or him. Now I've kind of grown to where I, I look forward to it. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, but it's, it's being willing to take the courageous step of ask the questions to yourself. Why do I do what I do? And, and see where that leads. Yeah, exactly. Communicate, communicate. Just like your spouse can't read your mind on what brings you pleasure, they can't read your mind on what repulses you either. Yep. yep. You have to talk about both. That's it. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Glad you joined us. And we'd love to hear from you. What'd we leave out? What can you not go for? Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.